This is episode number 383 with myself and my handsome husband, Nick Broadhurst. The Melissa Welcome to the Melissa Ambrosini Show. I'm your host, Melissa, best-selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl and Open Wide. And I'm here to remind you that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. Each week, I'll be getting up close and personal with thought leaders from around the globe, as well as your weekly dose of motivation so that you can create epic change in your own life and become the best version of yourself possible. Are you ready, beautiful? After our latest episode together titled Our Pregnancy Journey, which was episode 373, where Nick and I shared all about our conscious conception journey and our pregnancy journey so far, we got so many questions after this episode. So today we are answering them all for you right here. And in today's show, we talk about the specific diet and exercise routine that I'm following right now to nourish my body and my babe and how it differs from my preconception life. We also talk about the secret to reconnecting with your partner and regaining intimacy during pregnancy, plus everything you need to know about pregnancy sex the surprising rituals that we performed to connect with our baby prior to birth, what to do if you want to conceive a specific agenda, why learning to surrender and trust the universe's plan has been the most important lesson that I've learned during this journey. We also talk a lot about the pill and conceiving and all the crucial information that women need to know about this. We open up about how we are going to tackle our self-care routines and rituals once our babes is earthside and why self-care will still be a crucial priority for us. We dive deep into the top five recommendations that we swear by for a better conception and pregnancy, the crucial message your kidneys could be trying to send you and why we don't want you to miss these warning signs. And what's the deal with pregnancy cravings? Plus so much more. We give so many recommendations and tips and tricks in this episode that you do not want to miss. And for everything that we mention in today's show, you can check out in the show notes. And that's over at melissarambrosini.com forward slash 383. I am so excited for you guys to hear this episode. So let's dive right in. Welcome back on the show for the millionth time. Ah, it's always good to be here. I love it. So fun. So fun. This is our first episode together for 2021. What are you, besides our baby girl arriving, mm -hmm. what are you most looking forward to this year? What are your goals? Share a little bit about your vision for 2021 with us. Mm. Well, it's very hard to go past little girl, that's for sure. And that's just such a highlight for the year. I can't wait to meet her and pinch her little bum. <laughs> but for me, you know, we've been doing a lot of cleaning out of our professional and personal lives and getting ready for, you know, a spacious year so we can be really present with our daughter, which is exciting because I didn't have that when. Leo was born. So I'm really, really excited about that. And, you know, apart from that, I'm really excited about 
exploring my music further. And it's interesting because yesterday I had Save a Little come out and I don't think I've ever had a song where people have constantly said they've listened to it like 5, 10, 20 times. Like it's really interesting that that's a song which people are really hammering. It's definitely been on repeat in our house. But it brings up an interesting question for me. And I'm just going to get like so vulnerable right now. Go for it. Do you need a tissue? A couple. Okay. All right. So music's interesting because as an artist, you there's this fine line between having non-attachment to the outcome of what comes from your art and actually doing what you need to do to put it out in the world, you know, like marketing, for example. And I look at a song like Save a Little and I, I think, man, that is, if a song's ever going to chart, that's the song, you know, if it's going to be like a top 10, 15, 20, 50, whatever. It is a great freaking song. Like it really is. Yet Spotify give it no support, nothing, right? Yet. Yet. It's only early days, but some of the early indicators haven't been good. And it's it's frustrating for me because it's not about that, but at the same time, I definitely, you know, I'm human <laughs> and I definitely want... You know, I love that people are loving it, but for some reason the tastemakers aren't picking up on my stuff. So, yes, darling. Music, it's a big gig. It's like when I was in acting and TV presenting and dancing and modeling. It's a big gig. It stretches you. And I feel for artists, they don't get recognized for their greatness and their art all the time. So if you love Nick's music, please follow him on Spotify. We did not plan this, but I'm just saying like when I read other authors' books, I go and leave a review. And I think it's really important. Go and leave reviews on Amazon and Spotify and podcasts and, you know, do those things to help the people that you love because it's really important. It makes a difference. Yeah. Anyway, the reason I was going to that because we look at this year and I think I want to really ponder that question a bit more because I feel like perhaps I'm not doing the music, which is totally true to me. So I'm allowing that now to to come through. So there's that, there's Baby, and there's my book, my novel I'm writing. So that's me, darling. What are you focused on this year? I can sort of guess. Obviously having a baby. Oh, yeah. Which is so exciting. And I've got my fourth book coming out, which is so exciting. Very, very exciting. And that is out May 5th, which I cannot wait. And depending when this releases, maybe you can pre-order the book now. Maybe not. I'll link to it in the show notes. And also my podcast, I'm focusing on that too. But the whole idea of this episode was to do some follow-up questions from our last episode that we did together where we shared our conscious conception journey and our pregnancy journey up until that point. And we got so many questions on Instagram. There's actually 68 really good questions here. So we're going to try and get through them all because we want to help support you and if you are in that phase of your life. However, a lot of these questions we answer in our pregnancy vlog. So I may point people to that direction. We may point you to some other places as well. We're going to put heaps of links in the show notes, but shall we dive in? Let's do it. And because there's 68 questions, <laughs> we may not be able to go super deep on every one. But if you feel to go deep on one, I think let's let it happen. For sure. Yeah. 
All right. right. First one is, did you tell friends, family you were TTC? That must be like some amazing. You don't know what TTC is? TTC stands for. Trying to conceive. Trying to conceive. (laughs) How did that choice feel? So this is a really good question. And no, we didn't tell every friend and every family member. We were very selective with who we shared that information with because we don't want everyone's opinion. We don't want everyone to tell us what they think we should do because we always tune in, we go within and we do what feels right with us. So we had a couple of mentors that were guiding us through this journey. Dr. Stephen Cabral was one of them, Dr. Afruz, Demiri. We told maybe like a couple of a best friends. Of friends and the family was sort of aware but not, not super aware. No, no one, no one in our family really knew. Your mum may have known. Yeah, look, they, yeah. But not to the extent. And that purely is because... We didn't want the pressure. Yeah, we didn't want the pressure. We didn't want their opinion. So I think if you are consciously conceiving, be very mindful with who you share that information with because they will want to give their opinion. So that is the first one. Let's move on to the next. Could you describe your diet and exercise preconception? So my diet preconception and during pregnancy... Hasn't really changed. No. no, it's been super clean. We eat all organic, plant based. I've eat lots of vegetables, lots of fruits, lots of properly prepared grains and beans. And what else do I eat? Seaweed and mushrooms. And yeah, I think I think the biggest difference during pregnancy is you felt more drawn to more living foods. Like you've been having more salads and more fruit like just fruit for breakfast and that sort of stuff. And that probably also may be a result of it's the middle of summer here in Australia and it's very hot. So I'm drawn to more of those cooling foods and things like that. And then in terms of exercise, it has changed a lot. Preconception, I was doing training with a trainer, yoga, Pilates. During pregnancy, I have pulled right back. I'm doing prenatal reformer Pilates once a week and prenatal yoga at home on the Down Dog app, which I love. And exercising your eyelids on the couch? Yes. Or not exercising them? Exactly. I'm doing a really good job at that. (laughs) All right. Are you continuing a vegan diet throughout your pregnancy? Yes, 100%. What was the plant-based medicine you and Nick used? Now, we, we had a lot of questions on this. Holy moly. And look, We didn't talk about it on purpose because we don't want to influence anyone to do anything specific because plant medicine is one of those things where it's going to call you, whether it's uh, reishi mushroom to have a better sleep or boost your immunity or whether it's something else, you know, like ayahuasca, some of those other things, they're going to call you when it's time. And, you know, we're certainly not going to delve too much into that because it's a very, very personal thing. Yes, definitely. All we wanted to share was that we had a powerful experience with plant medicine and we felt it was very important on our journey. And absolutely do not do anything if you are not called to, if it's not a full body, hell yeah. And for those of you who are listening, thinking, what are they talking about? If you haven't listened to our first episode about our conscious conception journey and our pregnancy journey, that was episode number... 373. 373, and we'll link to that in the show notes. That will make so much more sense about the plant medicine if you haven't heard it. The next question, how's pregnancy sex? Hmm. Hmm. Do you want to answer that? (laughs) (laughs) There was definitely less in the first trimester because there was nausea that Melissa was dealing with from like week six to 12. 
So that definitely put a bit of a, not a hold, but slowed things down. I feel like second trimester was, I would say overall, it's less than normal. Way less than normal. Yeah. But that's... There's lots of reasons for that though as well, because we're kind of mourning people and I've been sleeping a lot more actually. And I've been falling asleep at 7.30 and Nick comes into bed later. So I'm asleep already. Oh, that's not true. I did that last night, but I don't do that normally. Oh, mostly. But you're always like doing things before me. You're like yeah. finishing the shower My and facial stuff. routine. Yeah, yeah, his facial. He's got like a full-on facial routine, like more extensive than me. And he's always like pottering around and I'm reading in bed. And by the time he gets into bed, I'm asleep. Yeah. So we've got to work on that. Well, I, I generally have at least one hour more sleep than you. At least two. Yeah. At the moment, it's like three hours more. Yes. Interesting. Very interesting. So that's something we've got to be mindful of, don't you think? I do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When did you take the first test when the line was vague or light? Well, that was pretty simple. We did that on the day she was supposed to miss her period. The first day of my first next day. period when I was meant to get it. And then we retested five days after that. All right. Do you plan on staying vegan your whole pregnancy? Yes, I do. <laughs> what if baby wants junk food? <laughs> well, she's not going to get she's it. She's not getting junk food. I mean, look, we cannot control what happens when she goes to a birthday party. Is that true though? Because, you know, even with Leo, and we're talking about he's 15 now. So this was way less prevalent. I was the full weirdo back then. Like, No one was meditating. No No. one was gluten-free. I shouldn't say no one, but certainly in my (laughs) circles, I was the spiritual weirdo. The gluten-free. The (laughs) gluten-free, freaking spiritual weirdo, sugar-free, dairy-free. Like, And I just used to educate Leo on I would say, make good choices at today's party, you know? And we'd always send Leo to parties with he could pick whatever dessert he wanted. So... If he wanted me to make something for him, I'd make something like whether it was chocolate cupcakes, I'd make them for him and send him to the party with them. And he loved that. Like he much prefer that. And I think you can do a lot with educating your children. I have very conscious friends whose children just aren't even drawn to that. They're six, seven, eight-year-olds that aren't even drawn to junk food. So Leo never was either. And we're talking about, you know, healthy chocolate cupcakes. So we'd make them ourselves. Yeah. Sugar-free and gluten-free and dairy-free. So, yeah, it's just not going to be something that we really have to deal with. No, the children grow up with your values to some extent. Obviously, they're sovereign beings with their own values, but they're going to be influenced by what your core values are. And for us, health is a core value, and and Leo's definitely picked up on that. For sure. So, how do you reconnect with your partner intimately after not being able to conceive and drifting apart? Mm. So, like we shared in that first episode, episode number 373, that there was a point where it became very robotic robotic for us, which had never been the case. We'd always been so good at it. And it took Nick saying, this is how I feel and this is not fun right now for us to make a shift. So I think having an open crystal clear communication conversation with your beloved and sharing how you're feeling and coming back together. Doing eye gazing is a really beautiful thing to do to come back together. And if you need support, getting some support from a therapist together where you can talk about how you're feeling. 
But there's so many things you can do to come back together and eye gazing is a great place to start. Yeah, I think that when there's intimacy challenges in any relationship, honestly, it's not rocket science. You actually need to just make intimacy a huge focus. There's certain communication of things in our relationship we're working on. So right now, we are focusing on that because we want to sort of smooth some things out before little girl arrives. So there's more harmonious environment at home for her. And that's become a focus. And I think where your attention goes, the energy flows. So, you know, find something that resonates for both of you, whether it's one reading The Way of the Superior Man, the other reading Dear Lover, and sharing your thoughts on it, whether it's doing a Kimonami course or reading Open Wide by Melissa putting attention, really focused, intentional attention into it is going to shift things. But it requires both people to be willing participants, for sure. Absolutely. How did you decide that you wanted to be a mother? This was not a conscious decision that I made with my head. Like I shared in the other episode, I woke up one day and that maternal switch was flicked on overnight. And I rolled over, turned to Nick and said, I'm ready. And he was like, what? Like, where did that come from? I have no idea. I have no idea where it came from. But this switch was just flicked on within me. And I had been so focused on my career. And then all of a sudden, I felt the strong urge and desire and yearning to be a mother. So it wasn't something that I consciously decided. Yeah, I noticed and knew that you were always really drawn to children and they loved you and you're amazing with kids. Like it's definitely one of your skills, one of your gifts. But whenever we spoke about it, it was like, no, no, I'm not, no, I'm not there. Mm. You know, it just wasn't even, just wasn't a thing, mm. you know? And it was kind of like, well, maybe getting, sort of maybe getting closer. And then it was like, boom, <laughs> ready. So it's kind of like hot from cold to hot almost, like, wasn't it? Definitely. A very clear transition. Overnight. Something shifted. Mm -hmm. So that was pretty cool. All right. Would love to know what rituals you have to connect with your baby every day and favorite books. Actually, I might start with this because we've been doing some fun things lately. So each night I have a love tuna. I don't know if you've seen them before. You may have seen it on our social media. A love tuna is a little whistle. You can wear it around your neck. We just keep it in our bedside tables. And you blow into it and it makes a beautiful little noise which vibrates at the frequency of love, which is 528 hertz from memory. And it's a tiny little metal thing. And I go up to Melissa's belly and I very, very quietly, I don't do it loud at all, I put just the edge of the whistle on her belly and just do it really, really quiet. And little girl literally, I think only once she hasn't done this, she literally like wax my, <laughs> wax exactly where the whistle is, which just blows my mind, right? So that's one thing. And the other thing is I just start talking to her with my mouth on Melissa's belly in bed so that the vibration of my voice goes through as well, not just like the, not just the sound, but she's getting like the energy of what I'm saying. And I just say really sweet things about how we're looking forward to meeting her and all those nice little things and how proud we are of her and can't wait to meet her, et cetera, et cetera. But what about you, Melissa? I have lots of little rituals. So obviously I meditate twice a day and at the end of my meditation, I place my hands over my womb and I thank my womb for being the best palace 
for our baby girl. Like it's the most amazing palace and I thank it for housing her. And then I also talk to Penny the placenta and I thank Penny the placenta for not only keeping her company in there, but nourishing her and filtering all the best stuff to her. So I do that. And then I talk to her and I say, is there anything that you want me to know? And sometimes she does communicate back with me and sometimes it's nothing and she's just happy in there and constantly putting my hands on my belly when she's kicking. And I talk to her in the car while I'm driving, constantly talking to her. And then I sing a song to her every day. I sing it at least once a day. It's called I Am Light and this is her baby song. There's scientific research that shows that if you play music whilst they're in the womb, and you play that same music once they're out, that can have a really calming effect on them. So that is the intention behind singing her that song every day. So that's something else that I do and I love. And then in terms of books, we got this question a lot. All of the conception books, the conscious conception books, the pregnancy books, the birthing books that I've read, I have written an entire blog post on it. So I'll link to that in the show notes for anyone who wants to know. It's actually not just books. It's podcasts. It's documentaries. It's birthing videos. Everything that I have found super useful in this one blog post. So I'll link to it in the show notes. And then also I mention a lot of books and resources throughout our pregnancy vlog, which I'll also link to. We've got a YouTube channel where we started vlogging weekly about our pregnancy journey for you guys. So make sure you check that out too. Okay, next one. I'd love more details on what was involved when initially trying for a certain gender. So there's this thing called the shuttles method where you can try for a certain gender. So basically, if you want a girl, you have sex three days before you are meant to ovulate. And if you want a boy, apparently you have sex on the day. So we did that for a few months and it didn't work. And so we were just like, let's just stick to when I'm ovulating, hey? Let's just get pregnant. Let's just get pregnant. And so we really, we realized that that may have been a block as well. We realized that Spirit Baby may have wanted us to be okay with either gender. So we completely let go of our attachment to that. Took us a while though. It it actually, I don't know exactly how many months we tried, but let's say we tried for 14 months. I would say it took us to like month 12 to let go of that attachment. And it happened around the time where we actually had a the name of a boy came to us. And all of a sudden we're like, oh my God, there's a boy up there as well, you know, waiting to come through. So we were like, boy and a girl, whatever, whoever wants to come first, <laughs> we are so ready, you know. And then to be honest, it's interesting because yes, we did do that for, I'd say four or five months actually, which we felt was a block. But when we actually conceived, we actually made love on the day, exactly when you're ovulating. Yes, the day. Right on peak because we tested it with the ovulation thing. So, And we got a gulp. So, you know, <laughs> who knows? Who knows? Who knows? What do you feel was the major shift that happened within? Oh, well, for anyone who's listened to the last episode, you'll know this. I completely surrendered and let go of control and trust. And I trusted. And that was the major shift that happened from within. And then we got pregnant. Mm. The letting go is 
yeah, it's been a huge journey and the control, hasn't it, just through this whole thing? Because Melissa is such a powerful creator, manifester that she kind of can sort of not control, but she can sort of wave this magic wand and create what she wants to create. So <laughs> the idea of just creating a human whenever you want is kind of crazy because it's got nothing to do with us. We play our role, but that little consciousness will come shooting through from the stars when he or she's ready. So, mm. What do you have as a treat? Do you allow a treat day or week? Well, this is not... Treat week. <laughs> treat week. <laughs> Damn that. I'm hashtagging that. <laughs> treat week. That's awesome. I'm on that bandwagon. Uh, Let's do it. Sign me up for treat week. Brownies every day. Yes. Woo. Look, we don't call things treats because everything we eat is delicious and amazing. We don't eat anything that is not delicious and amazing. So, But I think that's your, that depends on your perspective. Like a really good salad for me with a beautiful dressing is just like, oh. I know. But for a lot of people, that's not exciting. So it depends on your perspective. Yeah. And I don't know. We love food, but we, we've just got cleaner and cleaner and more, I'd say more simple as the years have gone on. Like, yeah, I love cooking and so do you. Melissa does most of the desserts. I do most of the other stuff. I think that's because she's, I don't know if you've got more of a sweet tooth than me, but you definitely like eating quite a few more desserts than I do. Maybe. It's, it's funny because I might not have them and then when I do, I'm just like, yeah, then you have the entire freaking cookie monster. Yeah. Whereas she just consistently nibbles away at something. Like she's had these oh my gosh. ovulation cookies lately. No, those. Ovulation. No, no, no. <laughs> ovulation cookies. What's that recipe? <laughs> Lactation, weren't they? No. Well, yeah, there was, I was eating those, but I made this week just some raisin and oat cookies from the medical medium, which was so yummy. Yum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't have them, but they look good. All right. So do you ever get sensitive or triggered by little things that your friends do? How do you let go? No, I'm super enlightened and I never get triggered by anything. Never. Never. She never, she never does. I never trigger her. Never. Ever. Nah. Like I'm just enlightened. I just walk around totally zenned out and never She's get always, triggered. Always nice to me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course. But triggers are invitations for awakening. And I think that's really important. It's not about what the other person did. Anytime you get triggered, it's an invitation to look within and to go within and to awaken and to peel back a layer within yourself. So that's how I look at it. And I try not to point the finger and judge and blame. For me, it's really about, okay, this trigger has come up. What is that? And how can I unpack that and go deeper within it? Because it's always an opportunity for awakening. Yeah, could not agree more. Just quickly, there's a question here on supplements and everything you're doing. And again, go back to the vlog that we did. I think it was week seven, the last one about supplements. So definitely check that out. And that explains everything that she's doing. Okay, next one. How can you let go trust and live in the moment while wanting something really hard? Hmm. I know how that feels. I know how that feels. And I resisted. For you know a, how it feels not to let go. Totally. I know exactly how it feels to not let go and hold on with white knuckle grip. And it is not fun. It is not fun. But I also know how it feels when you let go of that white knuckle grip and you surrender and you trust. And that feels so much more beautiful and effortless. And how do you do it? It is about consciously sitting and in meditation and trusting and opening your heart and surrendering. There's not like an 
one, two, three process, one, two, three step process. It's really an internal thing that each of us have to go on on our own journey. And mine came through being at such resistance within myself and feeling so much suffering within myself that I was so exhausted from that that I finally just ah, let go and surrendered. And it was so good. It felt so good. Yeah, nice. I think that comes back to a lot of things in life. I was speaking earlier about music and letting go of attachment to the results of that music and it has to be whatever it will be or letting go of the results of your next book or whatever it is, right? We can practice it in so many areas of our life. It's a really good practice, non-attachment. The middle path, for sure. You know, there's some great books on Buddhism, which like Buddhism for beginners and these sorts of books, which are great. They give you these really great foundations in these sorts of practices and little tools you can use to help let go. All right. What kept you going during this time individually and as a couple? For me, it was, I mean, there was definitely, we spoke about it previously, but and there was some seriously challenging times. Honestly, it's the foundation of love. Uh, what else is there? It's just that deep foundation of love and respect. And I think for me, trust. Trust in a higher source. Trust in the divine plan because everything is always unfolding exactly the way it's supposed to. And during our 18-month journey, I just kept reminding myself that even though there was times where I was resistant and wanted to stamp my feet and have a tantrum like a child, I kept on saying, it's unfolding the way it's supposed to. And in the future, there will be a time where I look back and go, ah, of course it happened at that time because that was when it was meant to happen because that led to that and that was perfect. So it's been such a journey and trust and surrender and Reminding yourself that everything is always unfolding exactly the way it's supposed to is really powerful. Okay, next question. Have you had any difficulty in dealing with accepting how your body is changing and feeling? Yes, I've really challenged, like I've really found it hard. (laughs) My body's changing. They're not talking about you. Oh, okay. They're not talking about you. Okay, damn. I have loved watching my body change. She's been obsessed. I have been obsessed with it. I love it. I love watching my belly grow and my boobs grow. I've been fascinated with my nipples. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) And your boobs. Fascinated that, oh, just how they change. I just think it's amazing. It is such a miracle. I love my body. I feel the most feminine, the most goddessy, the most sexy I've ever felt in my entire life. And I just love it. I think The female body is the most miraculous thing and it's growing a human right now. And I just think what a miracle. So I've fallen more in love with my body over this period. That's for sure. Mm. It's interesting going through this list of questions. Like there is literally 20 questions about plant medicine on here. (laughs) So we're just going to keep referring that to do what's true for you and what's allowed wherever you are in the world. Okay, next question. How long had you been off the pill when you decided to try for a baby? Oh, like 10 years. Yeah, it's like when was the last time you took the pills more, right? Mm, isn't it? Yeah. Long time. Yeah, I think I was on the pill from about 18 to 23 or 24. I can't remember exactly. So around seven years, something like that. And yeah, so I was off it for ages. 
There's a great podcast with Nat Gringudis on Melissa's show about the pill. And there's another one of your guests. Was it Beyond the Pill? Beyond the Pill. There's Dr. Jolene Brighton, Alyssa Vietti, Lara Bryden, all of those incredible women on my podcast who have spoken about the pill. So, so many. Make sure you listen to that. Interesting because when Leo was conceived, it was literally two weeks after coming off the pill for like 10 years. Wow. So everyone's different. You never know. Okay, next one. How do you think your self-care routine will change with a newborn? I have no idea. I'll let you know when I get there. Yeah, I just think it's going to be one of those times where it's really important to maintain as much as you can. So I imagine that we'll be tag teaming as much as possible. Exactly. You know, and tag keeping our meditation practice going. Yeah, and some movement. We'll definitely be tag teaming so we can both move every day and both meditate every day. Bit of kunda. Yeah, bit of kunda. Bit of kunda. All right. What other things you should avoid if you're pregnant? Oh my goodness. Good question because it depends on your diet. But there's so many things. Are they referring to diet? Because I would say things like obviously smoking, alcohol, those sorts of things. But if this question is referring to diet, I mean, I mean, I would eat as clean as possible, chemical free, organic, put in your body, treat your body like a temple. Okay. Not only whilst you're pregnant, but all the time. You shouldn't just do this whilst you're pregnant, but now is the most amazing time to become a qualitarian and make sure everything that you put on and in your body is of the highest quality and the purest form because you're making a human and whatever you eat and put on your body is forming the cells of your baby. Whether you are paleo or plant-based, whole foods, you know, it needs to come from nature in its whole form. And if it's not that, really question it. If it comes in a packet, question it. You know, and of course, there might be times where you do have something out of a packet, don't beat yourself up or out of a tin or something, but just whole foods. Keep it really simple. And, you know, anything toxic, think of toxicity. Is your Wi-Fi turned on? What negative thoughts are you having? Right? There's so much to toxicity that you can look at as well. Absolutely. What did your chanting routine look like to call in your spirit baby? So for everyone who's listened to the other episode, you'll know that I did a lot of chanting to call in my spirit baby. And I literally did the exact chants out of the book, Spirit Babies. So grab yourself that book. It's one of the most incredible books I've read. And I just did all of those chants in there. And I did them every morning. And it was a really beautiful ritual. And I loved it. What are the top five recommended actions that you and Nick undertook? Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Obviously, assuming we're talking about to get pregnant. I mean, from my perspective, it would have been retaining from ejaculating in between fertility period, uh, fertility, yeah, fertility periods, so that when we were making love, that it was strong. But it depends on your constitution because there's also a school of thought that you should ejaculate at least once a week to keep everything actually less sticky, wasn't it? Less sticky. So they can swim better, basically. But that doesn't work for me. My constitution does not like ejaculating all the time. So for me, it was definitely being really mindful of that. I think overall, the top action was staying super healthy and balanced as as much as we possibly could. We're not perfect, that's for sure. But doing the best we could in that area, darling. Okay, my top five recommendations, meditate every day, move your body every day, 
nourish your body with the best food and water that you possibly can, get in nature every day and laugh as much as possible. So surround yourself with as much laughter, joy, play, dancing, happiness to increase the oxytocin in your body. So they are my top five tips. I think orgasm. Orgasms, yes. Because if you're going to get oxytocin, like holy moly, that's like, that's the secret weapon right there. Mm -hmm. What were some of your fertility boosting treatments that you tried, if any? I guess that's sort of similar to what we just answered. We didn't do any treatments as such, but there was acupuncture we felt was quite pivotal in the last few months with our friend Mim Drescher from Nourish Temple. Definitely check her out on Instagram. She's a you know, brilliant practitioner. And we'll link to her in the show notes as well. But apart from that, I, you know, you were doing Chinese herbs with Mim, but I think it was, there was nothing specific, was there, really? Well, I was working with Dr. Stephen Cabral. Well, true. Yeah. yeah. We, we, were, we, were, we were looking at your bloods and... And making sure I was balanced in everything and had all the nutrients that I needed. And you did organic acid testing, which shows the state of your gut health and detox pathways and that sort of stuff. Hair mineral balancing, we definitely looked at that to make sure the minerals were okay, there was no heavy metals. Because Melissa had done so much work before, she actually had really high mercury when we first met. Seven years ago. Really high. So (laughs) probably spent six or seven years flushing that out because that's not good when you're conceiving at all. No, no, no. But other than that, our life is a fertility boosting lifestyle. So for me, it was more, as you guys know from the last episode, it was very much a spiritual surrender experiment that I had to go on. One thing I would definitely recommend people to look at, and it ties into the next question, your top suggestions for someone who wants to try for the first baby in a couple of years' time. I didn't know this, and I only found this out more recently, but your adrenals play a huge role in fertility. And there's a very simple way you can tell if your adrenals are actually functioning. When you wake up in the morning, you take your blood pressure in your left arm and your right arm. So you've got to do both because left kidney, left adrenals, right kidney, right adrenals. So the top number, so they say that 120 over 80, whoever they is, the powers that be, is a healthy blood pressure. But 120 over 80 is actually showing 80 as being kidneys, which are actually most likely toxic or weak because it's too high. More like you should be 120 over 60. Now, Melissa and I have had in the 80s and the 90s over somewhere in the 50s and sometimes 60s, which shows the top number, if it's low, is adrenal weakness, right? The bottom number, if it's low, is kidney weakness. So I'm actually now doing work on that myself to to do that. And we're going to do some with Melissa very subtly because she's pregnant and she can't take powerful herbs and stuff. But that plays a huge role in fertility, as does thyroid as well. So you can test your thyroid by just taking your body temperature. And both Melissa and I have low body temperature. So there's some thyroid or parathyroid stuff going on there too. So I would be speaking to whoever you work with, whether it's following more of a Dr. Stephen Cabral approach from the integrative health practitioner program, whether it's medical medium, whether it's Dr. Robert Morse, who's someone new that we've been really enjoying, you know, work with someone to get your adrenals, thyroid, and kidneys fully functioning. You can also check out Dr. Afruz Damiri's Trimester Zero Mm. online program, which is an incredible resource for you to get your body in tip-top shape before you 
call in your baby. It's really, really important that you do some sort of detox before you have a baby. Have you started craving anything that you don't normally eat? Not really. During the nauseous period between, I think it was week five or week six till about week 12, I didn't know what I wanted to eat. Smells were kind of turning me off. Mm. But no, I haven't craved anything really. I've just been eating how I normally eat, which is amazing. You've had momentary funny things pop up. But I think as well, because we learned a lot about this in, we spoke about this in the vlog, I think, about the SheBirds course we did. And there's a lot of talk in even the spiritual community that you can just let go. And if your body's craving Kentucky Fried Chicken, just smash it. (laughs) Or McDonald's. And it's like, no. No. Sorry. No, I haven't eaten any of that stuff once. That is not good advice because if you decide to be hammering croissants every morning because your body feels like it, well, you know, the goal when you're having a baby is not just to grow a healthy baby. It's also to have a beautiful birth. And the more it's been shown, scientifically, the more sugar and gluten you eat, the more edema or swelling you get in the cervix, which makes it harder to open, which makes it more painful, which leads to more intervention. So I do not subscribe to the just eat whatever you want If your body wants Maccas, go and eat it. I don't subscribe to that either. No, it's it's up to you, but... You're making a human, guys. I just don't think that's good advice at all. I really don't agree with that. Mm. I think it's the time where you should be nourishing and flooding your body with as much nutrients as possible. You've got to remember that cravings often can be like regressing back to selling the memory. So your body could be doing a cleansing process during the, the initial stage of the pregnancy and regressing you back to you know, something you had done in the past, just because you feel it doesn't mean you should go and do it, right? So yeah, next question. Were you ever conflicted or confused about choosing plant-based while you were trying to conceive? We were already plant-based. So no, we weren't confused or conflicted about that. I think we spoke about it maybe once or twice just to check in, but it was just a, it was just like a, hey, just checking in and we're still feeling good. Yeah, feeling great. The thought of going back to animal products is really bizarre. I and mean, I would never say never to anything, but I mean, I've never felt like this, so I'm not going to go back. That's yeah, for sure. Yeah, I feel amazing. We'll see. And you we, never know. you know, we went back to the science. We always go to the science and just check back in if we're ever having that thought. I think the days of this where do you get protein, where you get B12, all this stuff, where you're getting omega 3s. Honestly, I think it's coming out in the wash now. There's too much science. It's just the science is with a largely plant-based diet. And as we always say, you know, 90%. Do what you want with the last 10%. But I don't know. I feel a bit bored with the conversation because I just feel like the information's there. Like it's all there, right? And I sort of can't believe we're still having like the Chris Cresser debate and sorry, James Wilkes. Was it James Wilkes from The Game Changers that you interviewed? Yes. Oh, they were both on Joe Rogan. Yeah, so for Chris Cresser to get on there and, and have that whole forum to just debunk a plant-based diet for that long and bring up all this stuff, and then for James Wilkes to go on there and just basically smash <laughs> smash back, which was quite interesting to listen to. But, I, you know, I guess there's polarity, right, in the universe, and we're always going to have both. But from where we sit, I don't know. Is there a debate? I just don't think there is. Each to their own. Do what feels true to you, but 90% plant-based is a really, really good benchmark to have. I think just eat from Mother Nature as much as possible. What she has so effortlessly and beautifully provided for us. We can't debate that every single human being on this planet 
could do with more fruits and vegetables. Everyone. Yeah. And that's all we're saying. Got a bit fired up there, didn't I? <laughs> Whoa. All right. What are you looking most forward to as a mum? That's such a great question. Hmm. Just meeting her for me. Oh, can I say something? Yeah. We've been laughing lately about something. We're like, cannot wait to have someone else to focus on other than our freaking selves and our own freaking personal development spiritual journey. Like, so sick of focusing on me. Like, because I mean, Leo, Leo is so self-sufficient and of course he needs my love, but it's different. He just needs play and he needs quality time. Whereas a baby is, I know, like a baby is a totally different thing, right? I can't wait to stop focusing on me. I'm so excited for so many things. That definitely, I'm so excited to pour my love and attention into her. I'm so excited to breastfeed. I'm so excited to raise her, do school drop-offs and pickups and make lunches and to change her nappies and to bath her. I'm excited for it all. I'm so excited for every single element. I just, yeah, I can't wait to breastfeed. I can't wait to bond. I'm so excited for all of it. And the school that we have her plan to go to, if she gets in, she'll get in. Melissa will just sprinkle some fairy dust on that one. Most likely we'll learn German. And I actually spoke German for 12 months when I lived in Germany. So I'm actually really looking forward to, to doing a language together. That'd be fun. Yeah, definitely. You mentioned you found out the gender. Thoughts approach re-gender issues. I'm obviously, I'm going to assume you're speaking about here, this question is about people who choose not to reveal their gender, people who are unsure, people who change gender through surgery, all that sort of stuff. So this is not something we've had a lot of, like very minimal exposure to, literally through one person, which has been really interesting and quite beautiful. But we don't have a lot of exposure to this. And I'm not going to call it an issue. I think it's it's part of the world that we live in. So I think we just need to be mindful that really, we're just finding out if it's got a vagina or a penis, really. Like, I just think we need to simplify here and, and not get too caught up in the other stuff. We're a heterosexual couple doing our thing and we want to find out the sex of our, of our child. There's no issue there. And, you know, if, if it comes out in the wash later on in life that there's something with her that's something we didn't expect, maybe she doesn't resonate with being female and, and changes, well, we'll support her in the best way we can to be her full expression of herself. Not something we feel super qualified to speak about. Haven't had a lot of exposure. So this question, a little bit confusing, but we'll work through it. Any prep for non-plant-based people for the baby if you need to go on formula? Well, prep is one thing. I'm assuming you may be speaking about leading up to conception, that sort of stuff. But if you're talking about formula, then... Maybe what they're talking about is, what do you do if you have to go on formula? Well, there is, yeah, there's milk banks which would be the first option. Yeah, they're meant to be amazing. If you can find a good reputable one that has clean sources of milk and the bacteria counts managed properly. But, I mean, the formula thing is tricky. It's, it is really tricky. There simply is not anything on the market that replicates Mother Nature. I definitely, 100%, would not be giving any form of, of animal if our child needed to go on that so i'd be working around that so there would be no goat no sheep no no dairy because 
you know, you've got to remember that the intestinal lining is permeable for the first two years of their life. And Leo's mom stopped breastfeeding at six months, just she had mastitis and other stuff going on. And so he went on to formula, instantly got horrific eczema. So with a permeable gut like that, those milk proteins, they just penetrate so easily and the body has to get rid of them and they get rid of them through the skin. So it's really painful for Leo. It's not an easy thing to answer because if you do need to go on formula, you can't find a milk bank. You're going to have to choose something, right? So I think find the cleanest. There are some ones coming out of Europe which are interesting. A lot of them are based off maltodextrose because it's the closest thing that mimics the different sugars in breast milk. That raises some questions. Just do your research and you know find the best one that you resonate with. For us personally, we wouldn't be using animal products from an ethical perspective, but also from a health perspective as well. What tests and scans am I doing during my pregnancy? I got this question quite a lot and we actually talk a lot about it during our vlog. So I go through week by week every test and scan that I do. So make sure you watch our vlog. So I have done two scans and that's all the scans that I'm doing. I did it at around 12 weeks. 12 weeks. And then 20? 20. 20 weeks. I didn't want to do the 20-week scan. However, my midwives said that I had to, otherwise they won't work with me. It's a fair call. They've got a duty of care and they've got to make sure you're safe. And they just want to see what the placenta is. And make sure the heart's okay. And so I didn't do the full scan that goes for like an hour. I just went in and I said, I just need to know where the placenta is and how the heart is. And so it was a quicker scan. I didn't want to do the longer one. And I was in and out. And then tests, the only tests I've done is a couple of blood tests. And you did quite a it. few in the first trimester because we were just watching a your blood tests. progesterone because we knew that going into it, that your progesterone sort of trended a bit lower and we wanted to make sure that pregnancy was hold. We spoke about this in the vlog week eight, I believe it is, which is going out soon, which talks about using Anna's wild yam cream, which we found really supportive. We think it may have helped. Little tip. When you're going to have your tests, or scans, ring up and ask, who is the nicest scanner person, whatever you call them? Sonographer. Sonographer, the most excited, because we had one both times who, no offense, but she was a complete killjoy, and actually we complained. It was really, really bad behavior. So that sort of wasn't pleasant. And yeah, ring up, ask, who is the most excited? And if there's no one there who's like genuinely excited, go, just go somewhere yeah, else. go somewhere else. Seriously. All right. It's the most exciting time of your life and it can really put a dampener on it. So definitely find someone who's pumped. Are you taking any medicinal mushrooms during your pregnancy? No, Melissa's not. I am. <laughs> but Melissa's not. Just being super mindful, keeping things pretty simple. Are you going through a GP uh, for those in America? That is an MD, different, but the same thing. So a doctor and having my scans, et cetera, or am I doing it all naturally? Well, naturally referring to, Melissa has two, she has midwives or two midwives and they give us the forms and we take those forms to the radiology place. So no. Or, or to go get a blood test. Oh yeah. So we're not. So no, I don't have to go and see a doctor at all. No. Which is, yeah, just one less thing to do, which is awesome. So my midwives have all of that information. And there's another question that someone has asked is, how did I find my midwives? And that's a really good question. So I made a list 
of every recommendation that I had from friends that live in my area. 257,000 people. To there look wasn't. At. There wasn't that many. Come on. And so I had this list. And then every time I would call up one of these people, I would have a conversation with them. And the first thing I say was, are you free on this time? And they would say, yep, or no, I've already got four births that month, or I'm not available, I'm on holidays. So that kind of crossed out how I chose my midwife straight away. You know, if they weren't available, I would say, do you know anyone else who is quite spiritual or has a very spiritual approach to midwifery? And they would recommend people. So I spent a lot of time on the phone and then I did, once I kind of narrowed it down, we did FaceTime calls with them because I wanted to get a feel for their energy. And then we did a FaceTime with our midwives and then we went and saw them and it was just a hell yeah from that moment on. They're very spiritual. They're very connected. They're very natural. And I just feel so grateful that I'm in their care. We feel super grateful because the midwives that we have, they're a beautiful balance and it just feels like whatever happens that they've just got us covered. And for us, it was a connection and confidence that really got us over the line. And I think it's really important. This was another question we got. When you are choosing a midwife or an obstetrician or a doctor, that you feel really comfortable in their presence, that you feel connected to them, that you feel safe. That is the most important thing. Not what your partner feels, not what your friend feels or someone else feels, that you connect with that provider because they are going to be your birth partner basically throughout the whole journey. And so it's really important that you feel really connected and good with your decision. We love that sort of phrase that only give birth in front of someone you're comfortable having an orgasm in front of. I know. We read that in a book and I thought, oh, that's very interesting. Okay. How did you cope with everyone always asking via socials if you're going to have kids? This person asking this question probably saw all the questions because you were getting it for years. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I don't know. It didn't really bother me. Did it? Oh, I, I think know. maybe during the conception. Yes. We we're trying to conceive that period. It might have triggered you a little bit. Oh, not really. Not triggered. No. Just kind of like, I think at times it, it's flattering that people are interested, but it also, I think you sort of want privacy on these things too. I don't remember ever feeling really triggered or anything. It was just kind of like, okay, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to answer that. Did you ever feel like pregnancy might not happen? What are coping strategies for that? No, I never felt like it wasn't going to happen. I knew it was always going to happen, just a matter of timing and handing it over to the universe. And Nick played a really big role in this. Like he never doubted me. And I think that is really important. He never once doubted that we would. And he was always my biggest cheerleader. And he would always say, baby, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's just, you know how the universe works and you need to just trust in divine timing. And so I'm so grateful that I had him as a cheerleader. But no, I never, I never doubted that it wouldn't happen. Yeah. Just like with the birthing process, I've got supreme confidence in Melissa to just play an amazing role and I think it's going to be, you know, really beautiful for her. And the pregnancy was the same. And the challenging thing for the partner, I think, in pregnancy, when you're wanting to conceive, is that as a partner, you can see, and this is like any situation with partnership, but you can see what that person needs to do, but you can't tell them. So whenever I'd say, 
talk about letting go and control and these sorts of things. Like Melissa, do you think I wanted to hear that? She pretty bit, uh-uh. bit my head off basically. Uh-uh. So, <laughs> you know, but I could see it. And but then I did notice, and I think the plant medicine was helpful with this. That I did notice that there was a moment where she literally just let go, and then you were pregnant. Like it was either that month or the month after. It was amazing. So. Yeah, beautiful to watch. It's been a beautiful journey for Melissa. How are you feeling physically with your pregnancy? I can probably answer this for you. Mm. She feels freaking amazing. I feel amazing. I feel so great. I feel, yeah, apart from those nauseous couple of weeks at the start, I feel incredible. I feel the most sexy, the most alive. I have energy. I feel goddessy. I feel feminine. It's awesome. When will you be releasing your week-by-week YouTube videos of pregnancy? Mm, my bad. That is his fault, guys. And we have released them already. We've released our vlog. So I'll link to it in the show notes or just go to my YouTube. But we have released a couple of episodes already. And we were meant to release a new one each week, but Nick's computer died. But we're getting back onto it. Yeah. Couldn't do it on Melissa's computer. Didn't have the computing power. And yeah, it's, it's my bad. But I'm going to be working on those now. So stay tuned for that. Were you trying to conceive a specific sex at the beginning of a journey? Yes, we were trying to conceive a girl. We had that very clearly in our minds because we've been getting told. We spoke about this in our last episode, 373. We didn't actually say that it was the girl we were trying for. Now we can, right? But we had two different Vedic astrologers and psychics and constant reinforcement we were going to have a girl. But that's not the reason why we No, we just felt it. that. We just, from the moment we met, we had this girl presence come to us and her name. She told us her name. And the wild thing is, is neither of us remember who said the name first or who came up with it. And no. It just dropped in this name. Can't wait to share it. I can't wait to share it. It's so beautiful too. Oh, I love it. So cute. And this name dropped in and this girl presence, this was the moment we met pretty much. And we felt so strongly And all the years that we were together, we just felt her always around us at the beach. We would feel her presence. It was so beautiful. And we could visualize her. And neither of us could remember how her name came about. But it came at the same time. Both of us were like, this is her name. It was wild how that came through. We haven't wavered. Maybe last week you said, are you still 100%? I'm like, yes. Yeah, it's amazing. We love it. and We feel so connected to it. So we just felt like that was what was going to happen. However, halfway through the process, we did let go of that because we thought, is this a block for us? So we did let go of that and we came to peace with it being whatever it was meant to be. And that felt really good and then we got pregnant. So maybe it was a block or maybe it was coincidence. I don't know. Yeah, we literally were on the beach looking at boy names. Do you remember? Mm-hmm. Of, a, of a specific letter with some sort of spiritual vibe or whatever. And this one came through and we both were like, oh, my God. And I remember I can still feel it. I can still feel the moment where I was like, oh my gosh, I can feel a boy. Now, whether or not that happens is not up to us, but I definitely feel a strong presence. And I think that was the month before you conceived. So we let go, or the two months before we let go of the sex around that time. Why didn't you or Nick share the conception journey as you were going through it? So 
I personally don't really share anything whilst I'm in it. Whilst I'm in the trenches, I don't really share what I'm going through. It's once I'm out of the trenches and I've had the experience myself, then I share from that place. Because if I'm sharing whilst I'm in the trenches, it taints my experience. It taints my growth. And I don't want everyone's opinions. I don't want over 100,000 people's opinions on what I'm experiencing. So for me, my process is my process. And once I'm out of the trenches and I have digested the experience and processed it myself, then I'll share and speak from that place. That is personally what feels true and right for me. I know other people share during, whilst they're in the trenches, and that's what works and feels good for them. But for me personally, I'm a sensitive person. And so for me, sharing once I'm out of the trenches and once I've digested the experience is what feels good in my body. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. And I think as well, like there's something to be said about having some privacy in a world where there's very little privacy. Okay. What are your thoughts on if you, Melissa, or a woman's birth preferences don't go to plan? I think coming back to one of my favorite mantras, which is everything is always unfolding the way it's supposed to. And just trusting that you're going to have the birth that you and your baby and your partner need to experience. And we have to trust that and not resist that. And yeah, that's what I'd say. Yeah, also, it is the time to look at any fear, any fear that you have. And we spoke to a friend recently who had a lot, you know, fears that she was kind of aware of, but was just like, no, it's going to be fine. Birth's going to be fine. No fears, blah, blah, blah. And then boom, in the birth, every fear came up. And she ended up having a vaginal birth, but it was long, long with intervention. And yeah, it was a bit of a challenging time. And so that just, you know, if you don't look at it before, man, you're going to look at it during the birth. Exactly. So do a lot of that work beforehand. How can I break my unhealthy food addictions to help prepare my body for pregnancy? I think this comes down to making sure your body is in as good a shape as possible. The better shape you're in, the less cravings you're going to have, right? So there's also spiritual components to it as well. But just working with someone who can support you to, honestly, if you're going to detox any time in your life, it's before you start trying to have a baby. So it's not the nicest thing to to admit, but humans, unfortunately, pretty toxic the way we live. It's really hard with the amount of strain that we have in our body environmentally from the food choices, our thoughts, everything. So detox before, right? And don't be obsessed with it, but get your body clean. You'll have less cravings. Work with a coach. I mean, I came across recently coach.me and I just quickly jumped on as I was um, waiting for this question. And you can go and look through the coach directory on coach.me and you can literally have them coach you and keep you on track for very, very small amounts of money, right? So this person here, they're more paleo sort of focused, but I just pulled someone up. She's got 141 reviews and her name is Megan. She helps, she's a certified trainer, helps people with nutrition, with fitness, improving metabolism, losing weight, increasing performance, getting more energy, being healthy, happy, being happy, healthy, fit, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like $25 a week to have someone who will be like, hey, 
checking in this morning, how you doing, boom, and you're getting these reminders. I reckon that'd be super fun to play with. Definitely. I feel like we could all do with coaches and mentors in all areas of our life. So it's just supportive. What is your biggest advice as far as timing and when to have a baby? Oh, that's pretty simple, isn't it? I got asked this question on Instagram today, actually. And oh, you just know, don't you? It just, I mean, it's gotta yeah, be hell. It's gotta be a hell yeah from both people. Totally. And it's about going inward and asking yourself, is this the time? For me and for us, does it feel good? But always go inward. Don't look at your age or don't look at what so-and-so is doing. Like, what feels good for you? Is it great timing for you? That's the most important thing. And your partner. Okay. Are you changing your diet in any way? And what is my pregnancy day on a plate? So during this pregnancy, I'm eating so much more fruit. And like I said before, that could be because we are in the middle of summer here and we have the most delicious fruits available. So I'm having lots of tropical fruits. So I'm having a lot more fruit. I eat a lot of fruit and vegetables. My diet just consists of an abundance of fruits and vegetables. And what I've eaten during the pregnancy has changed as well. So in the first trimester, I was eating very plain, basic food. And now I'm back to eating how I was eating before. So I think it's really important that you just tune into your body and you do what feels right for you and you nourish your temple with the best quality ingredients that you absolutely can and treat it like a temple. Yeah. And, you know, fruits are highly alkalizing. They're full of, God, look at the colors of them. They're full of so much goodness, but you want to eat them in the correct combinations. This is really, really important because you can turn fruit into a really beautiful, smooth digestive process or a big fermentation pot of pain (laughs) with the wrong combining. So we'll link to an infographic, which might help you, but to give you a quick, I guess, summary, you've got sweet fruits, sub-acid fruits, acid fruits, berries, and melons, okay? And veggie fruits as well. But veggie fruits, you treat more like veggies. So sweet fruits can go with sub-acid fruits and sweet fruits can go with berries. So things like bananas, figs, that sort of stuff, right? Sub-acid fruits can go with berries and acid fruits. Acid fruits can go with berries, but melons on their own, always. If you can have a melon, just pick one. Just have honeydew, just have watermelon, just have papaya. Papaya is treated as a melon, okay? So that's a quick little tip, which should really help make your fruit journey a bit more smooth. Next question is, how many kids do you want? We feel two. Yeah, we feel two. I mean. Who knows? We might have 10. Or we might have one. Yeah. I don't know. We'll just feel into it when it comes. Okay. Can you please share the name of the healer that I saw? And I spoke about this in the other episode. The healer I saw was, I mean, I saw a lot of healers, but I think they're talking about. The really powerful experience you had a couple of months before. Yeah. She is just a local woman who works out of her garage. I can't even see her, so I don't think there's no, any, any point sharing. I, I, I can't give out her details, but it wasn't her. Like, I don't want people to put their power in this one healer. It wasn't her. It was my experience. I was so open to letting go and to... Doing the work. Doing the work that I had a really powerful experience. Could I have had that same experience with someone else? Most likely, Yes. So I don't want people to think that, oh, they've got to see this healer and all is going to 
be well when they see this healer because that is not the case. It was the level of openness that I was at that allowed me to have that powerful experience, if that makes sense. It does. Could you please share some of the practitioners or experts you work with? For this one, honestly, just go to our vlog because we talk about a lot there. In every vlog, we've got things we mention in the caption. So just head there and we've got links to all of the practitioners and experts that we work with. Did you see an infertility specialist? If not, why not? Well, kind of. Did we? Yeah, we went to see that one woman because we're just doing a bit of a checkup. Everything good? Just checking like sperm counts and... Oh, yeah, we did. She wasn't an infertility specialist, though. She was an, she's an obstetrician, isn't she? Yeah, well, she's a fertility specialist. She's a fertility specialist, not an infertility specialist. <laughs> but, oh, yeah, I forgot that we saw her. That was actually interesting because, oh, honestly, I will say that the general, oh, it's tricky. As soon as you get into that vortex, the experience we had is that they tend to pretty quickly push you down the path of, uh, what's it called? IVF and IUI. So it's a tricky it's a tricky one because once you get into that vortex, we found from our experience like they very quickly revert to medicine and not into just having faith and trust in your body. So it was very quickly a conversation. Like we were at eight months, I think, at the time, and very quickly it was like you should consider doing IUI, which is basically taking the sperm, washing it, and inseminating it exactly on the time of ovulation. And we're kind of like, eh, you know, and they and and the words are very powerful. Like she was like, if you haven't conceived like by 12 months, you're generally considered infertile. We're like, whoa, that's a pretty big thing to say, right? Like that's a big fear statement. So I think they've got their place. And for sure, you know, some people have to go down the path of IVF. I mean, that's totally an individual choice. For us, it was more, we're just checking, is everything good? We were more checking about sperm quality and my ovaries. We didn't consider IVF. And she did actually recommend doing the high cozy. And that was the month before we conceived, which is, again, we speak about this in the pregnancy vlog and I think in the previous episode 373. And that could have played a really important role. We don't really know. So, and that sort of leads into the next question. Did you consider IVF? Can you please acknowledge how it is for people going through IVF? You're lucky you didn't go through it. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, we know someone very near and dear to us who is has done multiple rounds of IVF. And we know many, 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 many people. I know one of our closest friends did it for eight years. Yeah, so I can't imagine. Honestly, we haven't been there. Can't imagine. So of course we'd acknowledge that. It's it would be incredibly challenging. And please don't lose hope. You know, please don't lose hope. Your body, our bodies are incredible. They are miracle makers. And I have seen wild things happen. One of our beautiful friends after eight years of IVF getting pregnant. So please don't lose hope. Please, please, please don't lose hope. Your body is amazing. And just trust, 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 trust. Yeah. Yeah, that's a beautiful way to end it. That is 68 questions. (laughs) Wow. We did skip a few because there were some duplicates. There was a lot of duplicates, but that's okay. I hope this was helpful and you got a lot out of it. Come and check out our pregnancy vlog where we will share an episode each week and dive deeper into what we're experiencing week by week. 
and go and check out the other episode, episode number... 373. 373. That's it. Hope this was helpful, guys. And we love you so much. And just remember that wherever you are in your journey, that your body is amazing. Everything is unfolding exactly the way it's supposed to. And to trust and don't lose hope and to reach out to me. I love you and I'm here for you. And I know what it's like. And I've got your back. I love you so much. Ciao, ciao. I loved today's episode. I love having my husband on the show and I love answering all of your burning questions. So if you got a lot out of today's show, please subscribe and leave me a review on Apple Podcasts because that means that we can inspire and educate even more people together. And it also means that you could potentially be the review of the week for next week, which is pretty awesome. And speaking of review of the week, I want to read this week's review. And it is from Bethany. And it's a five-star review. And it's titled Amazing Podcast. And she says, No matter what you may be going through, I can guarantee you will find an episode that will help you. There is so much knowledge and power behind every episode. I love listening to these on my beach walk or doing my housework. I couldn't recommend this podcast more. Thank you so much, Bethany, for that beautiful review. I am so grateful. And as a little thank you, I want to give you one of my top four favorite products. And this week, you get some goodies from Hydrogen Health, which is pretty awesome. So all you have to do is email me, hello at melissaambrosini.com with your address, and I will send those over to you. And don't forget to come and follow me on Instagram at Melissa Ambrosini and tell me your top key takeaways from this episode. I absolutely love reading what you guys get out of each show. So please come and share it with me. And for everything that Nick and I mentioned in today's show, you can check out in the show notes. That's over at melissaambrosini.com forward slash 383. And please, please, please don't forget to go and pre-order your copies of my upcoming book, Comparisonitis how to stop comparing yourself to others and be genuinely happy. And make sure you pre-order now because if you pre-order between now and May 4th, you get all of my epic bonuses. So just head to comparisonitis.com for all the details. And before I go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being here, for wanting to be the best, the healthiest and the happiest version of yourself and for showing up today for you. You rock. Now, if there's someone in your life that you can think of that would really benefit from this episode, please be an angel and share it with them right now. You can take a screenshot, share it on your social media, email it to them, text it to them, do whatever you've got to do to get this in their ears. And until next time, don't forget that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. (laughs) 